gon' call me Jiggy when I'm home, they call me Snowman yeah. We ain't never home, but treat the city like the base, yeah You know where to look if you're looking for the wave, yeah Looking for the... What it do? What's going down? What's happening? Welcome to another episode of the Euro Stepping Podcast. Snow, what it look like over there, man? It seems like y'all got a little sun peeking through them blinds over there. Yeah, <laughs> man. I'm excited about it. You know what I mean? I'm enjoying it. I'm actually going to go outside. I'm going to get a little walk in today. Mm-hmm. A little what mm-hmm. do you A little walk. <laughs> <laughs> You're walking, okay. Yeah, just just enjoy the weather. You, you don't want to get a lot mm-hmm. of jogging. Uh, clear to jogging. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, yo, not gonna not gonna lie to you, Snow. Today's show, uh, I'm excited to have this one. Right. I mean, from the years I played in Europe, the years I've been keeping up with European basketball, this is probably the most winningest guy that I've heard of of new in Europe. Because yeah, no doubt. Yo, as decorated as any, <laughs> as decorated as any. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate it. He's been a, a Italian second division cup winner, cup MVP and also a two-time Italian Second Division Cup winner. He's a German League All-Star Game MVP. He's a German League Finals MVP. He's a German Super Cup winner, a German League champion, and also a Greek League champion. He's a VTB United League Defensive Player of the Year, six-time VTB United League champion, a Euro League all decade team from 2010 to 2020. Stop, time out. No, 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 stop. He's a four-time Euro League champion. Four, four foes. You know, we tip on four foes. He's just recently an Italian Super Cup winner and an Italian Cup winner. Welcome to the show. Mr. Kyle Hines. Appreciate y'all, man. I appreciate y'all for having me, man. I'm 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 excited for the opportunity to talk to y'all. Um, first of all, thank you for the for the warm welcoming. Um, but like I said, man, I, like I said before off there, man, I'm a I'm a fan of y'all podcast, I'm a fan of what y'all doing. So um, you know, I'm 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 excited to be, you know, to be an excited and honored to be a guest on the show. Uh, man, man, we, we appreciate that. Man, we appreciate you coming on the show. Your name has came up a couple of times on the pod. So we had to find a way to reach out to you and get you on. Hopefully, right. hopefully only good stuff, man. Hopefully only good stuff is mentioned. Yeah, all of it, all of it was good. All of it was good. <laughs> for the most part. For the most part. For the most part, most part <laughs> all right. I'll take that, I'll take that. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was one player that you know, he said y'all was cool, y'all was boys, but he was still upset with you. Oh, <laughs> I gotta know, you got, you got, yeah, you gotta tell me who that is. <laughs> One of your old Cheska teammates, let's just put it okay. Like okay, 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 okay. <laughs> right, I already know. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Snow, what's happening? Let's do it. Uh, 
man, I want I want to start here, man. I I don't I've never I've not heard you answer these questions, but I look at you, man. I see, you know, you're 34. You've been doing it before. We get into your to your the early stages of your career. I want to touch on what are you doing to stay as athletic and as active as you are? Like, how how are you keeping your body in shape? What are you? Or is there a certain like? Do you do something differently in terms of what you eat? Well, I, I want to know that part before we get into your story. Um, so I mean, I'm a I'm a workout junkie. So you know, I'm always you know in the gym, you know, working out, um, you know, doing different things. You know, even during the off season, like during the off season, you know, most guys they take off like a month or you know, and change. Like one week after, like I'm home, I'm back in the gym, like working out, you know, trying to stay in shape. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the way I just kind of look at it is like, you know, if I, if I'm, if I'm always in shape, then I'll never have to get back in shape, you know? So, you know, and most of the times, you know, you know, it is most injuries occur, you know, when you're not in your best physical form. Um, so for me, like I said, I mean, I just try to mm -hmm. just stay in the gym, you know I mean? Just try to stay, try to stay. I mean, it, it keeps me busy and a lot of times it just kind of keeps me out of the way, you know? So most of the time in the summertime or even now I'm either in the gym or I'm right. back home with my family. Um, and then, I mean, as far as like my diet, I mean, as I got older, um, you know, before when I first came over here, man, I was eating honey buns, McDonald's every day, you know, pizza, you know what I mean? You know, so as I got <laughs> like know, all older, of us, yeah. yeah, like all of us, you know, how it is, you know, eating, you know, eating, eating the worst of the worst. But, you know, as I got older, you know, I try to, you know, stay away from like the fried foods and, you know, now that, you know, the plant-based diets and, you know, all that different stuff is becoming more popular. So I try to. I'm not vegan. I'm not plant-based, but I try to implement, you know, some of that stuff, you know, into my diet, um, you know, to try to, you know, help with my longevity. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, be like, you know, the LeBron, Tom Brady's, you know, trying to, you know, trying to stretch this thing out as long as possible. So we'll see, you know, see what happens. And I figure, you know, my diet and these things are, you know, is the best way to, you know, I can control that. So. Right. Right. Well, let's jump into your early, the early stages of your career. Go ahead, Dave. Well, we know you're a, Jer you're a Jersey boy. End up yep. going to UNC Greensboro. Mm -hmm. Tell us about how your college experience was at Greensboro. Um, I mean, when I first got down there, it was culture shock. Um, I used to, I'm a Jersey kid. So, you know, I was, you know, basically, I basically lived, you know, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. So, you know, in Jersey, everything mm -hmm. is fast paced. Everything is moving. You know, I mean, you... You know, and people is, you know, people, you know how this up north, people are angry for no reason. You know what I mean? You can't hold the door for anybody. You can't, you know what I mean? Everybody is big tough up there. So um, so right. when I got down south, you know, everybody is just super friendly. You know, people just want to help you out. You know, they want to, you know, talk to you. They have that full, like, southern hospitality. So, you know, for me, it was strange. Like, I was, you know, I'm used to always having my guard up and used to always having my head on the swivel. But it's like, you know, you know, you go anywhere and people just want to talk to you. Um, you know, it, yeah. everything down south, people move slow. Like my, the thing that got me was like the squirrels, like, you know, in, in, in the New York and New Jersey, like the squirrels, the pigeons, they be moving. You go down south, the squirrels, they walk right next to you and they be just slow and slow motion, just like you. So for me, and then, initially it was, it was a big right. culture shock, but I mean, it was one of the reasons why I wanted to go to school down there because, you know, North Carolina is a, you know, it's a college state. You know, they have all these different colleges and universities there. So, you know, I wanted to kind of go down there and get the real feel, the real experience of, you know, of a college and a university. And I was able to do that at Greensboro. You know, Greensboro gave me the opportunity to, you know, come in and play right away. And 
um, the coach there allowed me, you know, gave me room to, you know, make mistakes. And um, like I said, I was able to kind of go there and kind of thrive in my career. Right. So, so Greensboro, you had a really good four years at Greensboro, right? Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, were you planning on going to the NBA? Did you try to go to the league or was Europe already on your mind? What, what was you thinking nah, of the process? I wasn't even thinking about Europe. Like Europe wasn't even on my radar. Like I didn't even know. Cause I mean, all the stories I, I heard about guys or players that went overseas were all bad stories. It was all about mm. guys not getting paid. It was all about, you know, you know, guys, you know, being stuck in, you know, apartments or being left here or, you know, fighting with coaches and stuff like that. So I was like, man, mm -hmm. I'm not even trying to go over there. I was like, you know what I mean? And I felt that, you know, that I could, you know, play in the league. So my mind was only focused on that. So I wasn't even thinking about, you know, overseas until, until I got to, uh, until I got to the, the NBA uh, pre-draft camp and mm -hmm. I played there. And then I realized there was a hundred guys. Yeah, yeah. I realized there was a hundred guys better than me. I was like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, yo, in, in the Southern Conference, you know, I'm that guy. So I was like, you know, Greensboro, I'm that guy. So then when I go, when I go to the pre-draft camp, but I'm looking at, you know, there's, you know, there's Derrick Rose and OJ Mayo and you know all these different guys. And, you know, I'm looking at them. Yeah. I'm like, yo, this, yeah, I better, I call my agent. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to get my passport. And we just going <laughs> <laughs> to, we just going to, you have to, <laughs> we just going to figure this thing out. <laughs> so many dudes aren't like that at all, man. So many dudes just aren't, they're not, I don't know how to say it. I mean, I get, I get being a hooper and being confident yeah. and thinking you're nice. I, we all got some of that, right? Okay. But. At some point, you got to kind of be a little bit real with yourself and just say, hey, man. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, I, I I started becoming real with myself when I started, like, like I said, when I seen the other players. But then also when I was, like, talking to, like, like NBA execs, like, you know, if I seen the GM, like, I, I straight up asked the, the general manager, Danny Ferry, um, and then also the assistant general manager at the time, the Cleveland Cavaliers, I asked him, I was like, do you think I could play the NBA? And they gave me a real straight up answer. And then like, so once I talked to them, I was like, yo, this is, this is their job to evaluate. So mm -hmm. if they felt like, if they felt like, you know, I didn't have, you know, an opportunity there at that time. then I was like, well, I got to go a different route. You know, the NBA was still on my mind, but I was like, listen, mm -hmm. like, let me go overseas and let me try to forge a different path, you know, to try to, you know, try to get over there. So. Right. So you end up taking the overseas route. Um, um. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, the funny thing about that is that I was in NBA Summer League, and I mm -hmm. told the story before, but I was in NBA Summer League, and the the, the general man, like the assistant general manager of the Cavs, introduced me to um, this this coach named Andrea Cinchetti. Um, wow. You know, so he was he was the coach at at Barely at the time, so he was like, "Yeah, he this guy's interested in you. You should talk to him." So, I, like I said, I tell this story all the time. I, I'm used to like college recruiting. You know, you go to college. Mm -hmm. They take you to the steakhouse. They take you to the top, you know, the top-notch restaurant. They take you to the best of the best. This dude took me to right. McDonald's. Took me to McDonald's. Sat me down. <laughs> Sat me down. Had, like, Big Macs and, like, the whole spread, the McDonald's spread. And I'm sitting looking. I'm like, yeah, there's no way I'm signing my homeboy. It's like, this is, this is, this ain't happening. He got to bring something better to the table. He want me to go overseas. But then once we started talking, um, and he just, like you said, he, if you know Andre, he knows how to talk that talk. 
mm-hmm. just convinced me, you know, to go overseas. And, you know, by the end of our conversation, I was sold, man. I was like, all right, man, where you want me to sign? And that's what happened. Wow. When you figured out it, you coming, His name's came up quite a few times. Yeah. When you figured out you was coming to Europe, right? How were you feeling, man? Like, before you get on this plane, were you anxious? Were you nervous, man? How, what, what, how was your emotions? What were your mind? What was your mind? Um, I was all the above, honestly, to be honest with you, because I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, I was, there was no, you know, this is 2008. So, you know, I'm going to a team, a small team called Verily. There was no real Wikipedia, no Google or no nothing mm-hmm. like that, really. So it wasn't really like a really like, you know, figure out where I was going. I just knew I was going to Italy and I heard it was near Rome. So that was it. So, you know, I knew I was going somewhere to hoop and play basketball. So, but I mean, I didn't, I was anxious. I didn't know what to pack. I didn't, I didn't have no bread. I had no money. So, you know, I'm just going over there literally just for the strength. Like I literally, I went overseas yeah. with, a, with a negative amount of my bank account. And I was like, listen, like I'm just going over <laughs> and I'm just going to see what happens. And, and like I said, I mean, I was, I, I was all the above, man. I had no idea. I was like 21 at the time. I had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, so. So, second division, Italy, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's first year when they come to Europe, they experience something where it was a shock to them where they didn't mm-hmm. know how to, they couldn't, they didn't maybe know how to maneuver or didn't know what to do in certain situations. Or should I say, everybody has a culture shock, right? Yeah. What was your culture shock? Um, I mean, the first day I got off the plane, literally, because, you know, we, we get off the plane and they come pick me up. So, you know, we I, I land in Rome. So I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, man, Rome is dope. Like, you know, I'm thinking we close to Rome. Yeah. So we land in Rome and then we start driving and then we driving, we driving, we driving. And I'm looking, I'm like, yo, the, 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 the Rome is getting further and further in the rear view mirror. <laughs> So, um, you know, we go to this, we pull up into this, this, this mountain and then we start going up the mountain and then the mountain is like these like cartoon mountains. So it's like, you know, you go up and you see the movies and it's like, you go up like in a cyclone, like in a circle. This is what Verily was. So we going up and we going up this mountain and the driver, like, I guess, you know, he's used to these driving. So he's just not even, he's just turning on these wide turns. There's no lights. There's no nothing. So I'm in the I'm in the mind, I'm in the car bugging out. So we get there and literally they drop me off at the apartment. So I walk out the apartment and there's like literally like wild dogs and cats and pigs and horses yeah. and you know all running around. And I'm just like, yo, where did I get myself into? Like this is mm-hmm. this is crazy. So like the mo- the very first day I got there, I was like, yo, man, I don't know what this is. And then we pulled up to like the practice gym. And you know, no knock on the, the facility. It was a second second division facility, but it was like a it was like almost like a vinyl wrap practice gym. <laughs> we had a court with like you know the like the half baskets, and that was it. We had a, a small locker room, and like I said, I'm coming from you know at least a division a division one program. I'm looking, I'm like, yo, this is professional. Right. This is this is professional basketball. This is what it is. Like, so like, like I said, the first day I was just in my room. I was like, man, I gotta. I gotta figure out a way to make this work because this is, this is this is not what I thought it was gonna be. Man, you when you bring up gyms, I, it takes me back to uh, when I first, I went to Cyprus, right? Uh huh. 
And in that gym, when I was there, man, the gyms were so cold. I've never felt gyms that cold in my life. They had two big blow heaters on yeah. the side of the court, just blowing heat. And, I, and I've never seen nothing like that. And I was like, man, is this the rec center or is this professional basketball? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. Because I've, I've been in, I've, I've been in, you know, in Philly and I've been in the hood in North Philly. I've been in like some gyms, you know, mm-hmm. some, like gym, like you said, like the rec center. But this is like, they had no heat. So like in December and January, we practice it in a hoodie, yeah. you know, full yeah. sweatpants, like yeah. the bat, like the basket, one of the bat, one of the baskets don't have a, like a half net, like they had the nets ripped off. And then it was this, man, it, it was, it was different. Like, I mean, after a while, I mean, I, I got used to it, but initially, initial culture shock was just like, man, this is this is crazy. At any point during that time, did you consider going back home? Um, I was homesick, to be honest with you, because um, mm-hmm. for for a good part of the season, I was the only American on the team. So, right. you know, I'm, I'm 21, 21, 22 years old, first year out. And, you know, in, in the second division, you're only allowed two, you're allowed two Americans, um, and one foreigner. So at the oh, time, yeah. so our, our American got hurt. So he left and got surgery. So I was basically there by myself. The, the other foreigner, yeah. he spoke Italian. So I was there like literally almost like by myself for like a, like a month. So I'm just yeah. there, like, you know, I'm not communicating with my teammates, you know, because they don't really speak the same language as me. Um, and like, I was literally there. So I got homesick and it was days like I called my agent. I was like, man, like, Something got to move, man. Something got to shake because this is, I don't know if I can, you know, get through this. And fortunately for me, um, the, the American that came in happened to be a veteran. And I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with, with Jerome Allen. He's now the, the assistant coach with the Boston Celtics, but he was like a, you know, OG vet over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, you know, I'm 22. He was, you know, around my age now. He was 35, about to finish up his career. Um, and he came in and he basically, this was my vet. He basically took me under his wing. And, you know, basically taught me how to be a professional. And literally every day, like, if it wasn't for him, like, I don't think I would have made it throughout, yeah. throughout, the, throughout the season, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, those vets are... Sometimes guys don't... Sometimes guys don't... Uh, they don't take advantage of the vets they have. No. A lot of young no. dudes just think, uh, nah, they think they got it all figured out. And they don't want to listen to nobody. Like, what's your advice on that? I mean... You, in any situation, and not just in basketball, but in life in general, you should always look at older people or seek out the advice of older people because eventually mm-hmm. you're going to be them. And eventually, I mean, like with all the experience and all the wisdom that you have, that they have, you need to soak up the experience because everything you already been through, they've been through. You know, I mean, they've seen everything. So if you want to see what your life is going to be like, you know, you should go talk to, you know, older people. And I, I realize that now mm-hmm. because now I'm the the older guy in the locker room, and mm-hmm. you know I got I got you know 26, 27, 25 year olds in a locker room, and I'm just looking at them sometimes the days that they say the days they do, and I'm just like, yo, <laughs> it's almost like deja vu because that was me, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that was me. So it was like, like you know, you, when you're young, you really don't get it, but like, I I tell the I still tell the young guys all the time, I was like, yo, man, find you a mentor, find you an OG, find you a vet, and anything you want to do. And soak up as much knowledge as you possibly can from that person because yeah. I mean that that it's going to be so valuable, right? Yeah, Kyle, you know your so, your story is uh, well, not your story. Your journey through Europe is 
Mm -hmm. I think a lot different than most because as I look yeah. at the teams you played on, you've been what, this your 13th season professionally? Yeah. You've only played for four teams. Yeah. Which is almost unheard of. Unheard of. <laughs> unheard of. <laughs> yeah, unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, I know you don't know, you probably don't know the answer to that, but man, how does that happen? <laughs> Pretty much. Because uh, I know in Europe, most guys, they hop teams. Like we all did. I hop teams, snow hop teams. The guys you played with have hop teams. But you've been on four, which is nothing. Man, to, to be honest, man, it's it's. I've been fortunate. I've been blessed. And I've been lucky. And, and, and mm -hmm. it's, it's more luck than, 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 than I would say anything else. Because, like I said, I've known guys that are, you know, way more talented than me way more skillful than me that have played, you know, 10 years and played for 10 different teams, 10 different countries. Right. Um, I just been fortunate enough to like, to go into some really great situations. Every team, I can honestly say every team that I played for from the team that I started in the second division, in Italy to Bamberg to obviously in Lipiakos and Cheska, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to go to great situations and, you know, and, and in the, the bulk of my career, I was super fortunate that I found a home, you know, in Cheska, mm -hmm. which I would never would have thought, you know, I never would have thought that I would have been there for seven years. I never would have thought that I never anticipated when I first got there that, that this would be where I would spend the bulk of my career. I wanted it to be, but I never thought it would be. So yet again, I think it's just a lot of skill, a lot of, you know, I mean, a lot of luck. There's no skill involved. There's a lot of luck. And I've been fortunate <laughs> and blessed as being in, in a lot of good situations. I would say that, you know, I, I do my due diligence. And I try to look at the situations I go go at. Like I said, I ask older players. I ask players that have been there. Um, I look at you know what this what these positions may you know lead me into my future job or what's going to be next for me. Um, which I tell young guys all the time. I'm like, don't look at your next job. You know, look at where your next job is going to take you three, four, five years down the line. So I think I've been trying to you know do that. But I mean, the short answer is really I just a lot of luck, man. I just been really lucky and very fortunate. Mm -hmm. I think I think uh, I think that's a humble way of answering the question. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a really humble way. But I think a lot of it has to do with not only the player that you actually are and the way that you go about just doing anything and everything it takes to win. But I think it also speaks to your character. I okay. think I think no, it has to. Right. I think that we know in Europe. Um, these people, yes, they, you got to be able to hoop and do that part of it, right? Yeah. But they really care about character. They really care about the kind of impact you make in a locker room and not just on the floor, right? Yeah. Um, so can you talk a little bit about uh, how you've managed to navigate relationships during the time you've been in Europe? I mean, I, we were literally just talking about this yesterday um, in a locker room with the, some of the young guys. I was like, you know, I mean, you all know it. The, the system is set up for American players to fail here in Europe. Mm -hmm. it, yep. It's set up that way because as soon as you, as soon as they sign you, they're looking for a reason to replace you. <laughs> they want. It's, it's, yep. it, this is just the fact of it is when when things yep. go left, when things go wrong, the first person usually out of the door is the foreign or American player. And they're able to do this because there's so many of us that are trying to get in these positions and trying to play. So, for me, the, the biggest thing that I learned, and like I said, I learned from you know my first year out, 
is the one thing that I didn't want to do. I was like, listen, if you want to judge me for what I do on the court, you know, if I'm not a three-point shooter, if I'm not this, if I'm not that, that's fine with me. But I was like, never is anybody going to not sign me because of the, my character or what I've done off the court. And I was like, that's the one thing that I don't want. I never wanted to, you know, for somebody to be like, oh, we don't want to sign him because he's this, or we didn't want to sign him because he, he does this off the court. He's not this type of guy off the court. I was like, if, if, if you won't, don't want to sign me because I'm only 6'4", or because, you know, because I'm not, I'm not this, then fine. I mean, like, you know, my game is not, you know, not, not for everybody. But I, like I said before, I think the biggest thing and the biggest thing in generally with Europe is the character. Because as soon as you come over here, you're already trying to knock that American stereotype. As soon as they sign you, they're already yeah. looking for you. And try, sometimes in some ways, they're already trying to set up for you to get for, for you to mess up. So, like I said, man, I, I, I always looked at it from that way. Um, I never wanted to be, you know, considered, you know, that guy that did that off the court. Um, we all know the stories. I mean, majority of the Americans, majority of the players that play or get cut or don't do well isn't because on the court. It's, I would say, more than 70% is because off the court. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're doing stuff in the clubs. They're doing stuff, you know, not not being accountable, not showing up, you know, not being professional. Like, yeah. that's really that's really the biggest, you know, the biggest burden, the biggest hurdle that most of us face over here. So I wanted to make sure that um, that was that wasn't me. I love that. I love that, man. So you get you move on from I, I don't want to mess up the team name, Verily. Verily. Yeah. yeah. Verily. And you you go to Germany, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you talk a little? You only that's the one place uh, that you only spent one year. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Can you talk about that experience, man? Germany's a great place, and Bomberg's obviously a good good club. Can you talk about yeah. that situation? Everybody. I mean, it was. I mean, it, it's. I mean, you all know about Germany. Germany is the is is it's probably one of the best, most stable places to go mm-hmm. to. You know, yeah. first of all, you know, you get you get paid on time. So that's what everybody, you know, everybody eventually is like, yo, if I get to Germany, I'm good, man. I don't got to worry about my money. And, you know, and the way they have everything nah. in Germany, you know, the apartment's going to be good. You know, they're going to take care of your food. They're going to take care of everything. So, you know, so when I went there, like I said, I'm coming from second division and I'm going there and it's like, you know, we had, yeah, I'm like, yo, I, I swear on everything I love. I didn't, I didn't check my bank account for the first three months because I was so used to getting my money late. So I just happened to check and I'm like, yo, I got three payments in here. Like I didn't like I was so conditioned to like not even check it. Like literally, like when I got it, it was like it's like clockwork. And I mean the same with the whole like organization. Um, you know, it was just a great experience. I there is where I learned how to fulfill a role and how to become a role player, um, and mm. how to sacrifice, you know, you know, what it takes to, you know, to win a championship. I was going to a team that already won a German championship. They only added one or two players. It was mm-hmm. me and uh, Ray, Ray Sean Terry um, from North Carolina. Um, okay. so they only added uh, us yeah. two. So they brought us along and, you know, we were there basically to fill a role. And it was the first time in my career that I went to a team where I wasn't the best player, where they wasn't asking me right. to, you know, you know, score. Or they wasn't asking me. He was like, listen, like, you know, your job is to set picks, play defense. And, you know, when you had the opportunity to score, you had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So like the first like month, I was like, man, this is it's same. The first month, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like I'm used to having a ball in my hands. Like I, you know, my thing I yeah. would say is like, you think you you think you will score till you get around some scores. Like I thought I was a scorer. I thought I was like, <laughs> right. man, I, I, I'm until you until you get around some people that can actually score. 
So, um, but I, I went there and I was able to, you know, soak up the experience and learn what it took to, you know, sacrifice your role, learn what it took to, you know, to become a winning player. So, um, you know, that, like that experience was super valuable to me because I learned what it took to win a championship. So. Before we move on from that, because I really, I think this is what you just described is kind of mm -hmm. what's made all of what you've become, right? That's what everybody knows you as in, in Europe is a winner, a champion, a guy who does whatever it takes for the, for his group to succeed. So I kind of want to touch on that a little more um, because I see that on this team in Germany where they didn't bring you in to be the man, Yeah, you ended up finals MVP. Exactly. So you accepted your role so much. At, you, go, you went from a place of like, man, I can't do this to – accepting it so much that you were final you, you started in your role so well that you became yeah. finals MVP so can you talk about growing to a place where you actually accepted it completely can you talk about that growth and whatever had to happen for you to get there literally and literally you know when I stopped focusing on stats individual mm -hmm. stats my individual play you know the things that you know individually that I thought that that I was um and And I started focusing on team basketball and doing this stuff that, you know, what I need to do to help my team win. My whole career did this. Literally mm. did this. Literally did this. Mm. Once I started going into the game and I said, listen, this is my role. My role is to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to make sure that I'm the best at my role. Win my matchup, whatever my matchup is. Whatever the team needs me to do, I'm going to do. And literally, like literally overnight, it went like this. I went from like, you know, struggling in the first like two or three German league games or th two or three, four German league games. And then literally like once I was like, I shift my mentality and I start focusing, like you said, I mean, I ended up, you know, doing well in your league and then being finals MVP and all this other, all these other different things. Because like I said, I think is in Europe, especially on high level teams is everybody can score. Everybody mm -hmm. can play. And nine times out of 10, I mean, they're not bringing you over here to, to score. I mean, on high level teams. Wow. Um, you know, I recognize that. I recognize that yep. for my role. They're not bringing me over to score, you know, 15, 16, 20 points. I mean, in most high-level leagues, the, the leading scorer in the league maybe averages 16 points a game. And everybody's playing, you know, 15, right. 16, 20 <laughs> minutes. So I was like, you know what? Yep. If I embrace my role and I become a champion in my role, then everything else will take care of itself. Mm. So, Man, it's funny that you say that. Hold man. on, Tom. Can you please say that one more time? Okay. Yeah, like I said, once Can I became become a, a what? Once I became a champion in my role, everything else took care of itself. And it's funny that you're saying that you that you experienced that in Germany because I didn't understand the role thing until I went to play it in Germany because I played in Oldenburg. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Oldenburg is also a good team in Germany, you know, where the top team, team. won championships or whatever. But before that, I was all about, man, let me just get my these boards and get buckets. Boards and yeah. buckets. But what I want to put out there for the people who don't know who Kyle Hines is, what also makes Kyle Hines unique, he plays the power forward and center spot at the height of six foot six. That's, that's being generous, but I'll take the six six. <laughs> <laughs> he said himself he was only six four. He said. Yeah. Yo, 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 look, real, real, real rap. Real rap, that, so that's what I do. I wasn't going to get drafted. Whatever. We, you know, you go to the pre-draft joint, they do the your height and weight and all that. Without shoes on, they said I was 6'3 and a 6'3 and three quarters. I was like, it's over. 
No I was like, it's over. I was like, I was like, there's no way in hell that an NBA team is going to pick a six-three and a half foot center power forward. I was like, it's a wrap. <laughs> Fam, you, hold on, timeout, timeout. Yeah. You're how tall, legit? Without shoes on, I'm like six three and a half, six four, maybe six four. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> but the winner, but That's the winningest guy in Europe. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Not just the winningest guy, Dave. My man guards. Every position, every position, guards, yeah. point guard to center. Yeah, man, I've been like yeah, that's, that's impressive. I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, Kyle, we're gonna take this small commercial break. So, Kyle, you played well in Germany, did work, MVP of the finals. Then that's where you make your step to one of the most decorated one of the most decorated teams in Europe, Olympiacos. Yeah. Go there and play with arguably one of the best point guards in Europe for that's been in Europe, probably in European history. I don't know. I said arguably. The 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 best, the best, the best player. The best player. <laughs> okay. The best player. Dave, so we know who his starting point guard is on his top five. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about Olympiacos, man. Um, a lot of people, when they bring up Olympiacos, the first thing that most people talk about is the fan love and how crazy the fans are, especially with the rivalry between Olympiacos and Pelopanacos. So why don't you, why don't you uh, dive into that? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, it's, it's unless you're there, it's really hard to necessarily put in words, um, you know, Olympiacos and Panthenacos, I mean, these are, these are, these teams are birth, like birthright teams. Like you're almost born in it. Um, I was talking to Josh Childress to, um, a couple of weeks ago and he was like, the best way you really can put it is like if the Bloods and the Crips had a basketball team, that's the right. best way to really explain I it. Um, I think that was yeah. James, James Giss said that. Yeah. That's, that's 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 literally what it is, man. Because you you walking around and it's literally like gang gang out there. It's like they got the they got the spray paint. You know, you know if you go to Saint a certain neighborhood, this is Panthenagos neighborhood. You make a left, this Olympiacos neighborhood. They let you know they got the red. You know, one neighborhood they got the the, the green. If you walk in, if you walk in the red, if you you green, you walk in the red zone. You might not make it out with a few lumps on your head. So you know, what I mean, that's just that's just how it is. So. Um, they're just the fans. They are just you know super passionate about sports in general, and it's not just basketball. Like it's it's even in water polo or volleyball or or whatever. Like anything between those two teams, it's a strong strong rivalry. So um, you know to be able to experience that, I mean, was incredible, man. Like I, I have so many great memories of you know playing against in those games and you know playing you know playing and playing in that rivalry. I mean, it's just oh. like I said. Tell Tell us one of those stories. What, what's probably the, if you have one or two standout memories from that time frame, what would you point to? Not, but we ain't um, talking about the championship. We talking about some crazy story, some crazy. The, so like the, the rivalry. So, um, it don't I'm even got to be the rivalry. Whatever you want, whatever you, anytime, anything. 
Um, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I'll go with the rivalry. Um, I'm gonna say just like just pulling up to the rivalry and and I probably guess probably can talk about this. You know, so you pulling up to the rivalry and you pulling up and you know you get on your team bus, and then you got you know two police caravans, three you know three motorcycle caravans. And then, you know, uh, a, a, a slew full of cars following you, like boxing you in. It's almost like you like Obama or, the, you know, the, the president rolling through and you riding through the city. And they got literally every every uh, intersection, every way blocked off. So you go to the game. So like you pulling up this like this is like my first time playing like this is intimidating. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Like, what are, what are we getting ourselves into? Like, you know, this is just a basketball game. Like, I'm just coming here to hoop. So like this is. So, I mean, this that is intimidating in itself. But I mean, I've been in, you know, I mean, so many different experiences. Like I tell the story all the time about, you know, we played Olympiacos Panthenecos, and during the cup is the only time where we could play. They have both fans. Um, so Olympiacos fans on one side, Panthenecos fans on the other side, and they got the cops all in between, in the middle of them. So during this particular game, they shooting flares back and forth, back and forth while we in warm ups. You know, I end up getting hit with a flare in the back of my head. I'm sitting there shooting a free throw. A flare just came out of nowhere. Knock me out on the back. Knock me out on the ground. Come pick me up. They take me to the court. Take me to the locker room. So I'm sitting down. You know what I mean? Holding my head. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm tight. I'm like I got hit the head with a flare. My teammates like ah man, it happens. It happens. This is this is just this is just Olympiacos Panathinaikos. And I'm sitting there. I'm like yo, we really about to play this game. Coach get on the board, draws up, the, you know, draws up the play, and they we, we play like nothing was happening. And then in the same game, um, in the same game, we playing during, we playing the game in the warmups, and all of a sudden, you know, two fans break out and they meet each other in the half court, and they just start fighting. This is before the game even start, start okay. rumbling in the middle of the court. Fans start rumbling in the middle of the court. We just busy warming up. They break it up. So then we play in the game, right? Mind you, this is still all one game. We playing yeah, the game, so right? Mean, it's all the same game? Yeah, this is all the same game. We playing <laughs> the game, right? So all of a sudden, one of the Olympiacos fans jumps over the balcony, and we on, like, that side of the court. I don't know where he pulled it from. He pulled out, like, a half of a boulder out of his pocket. I don't know where he pulled it from, a half of a boulder, and just chucked it at one of the Panther Niggles players. Mm. Just chucked it at him. <laughs> Smacked, hit him. They stopped the game. So we got to get this fan out. Then we come back, we playing some more. <laughs> then all of a sudden, like the police just lose control, and then all the fans just bump rush to the center, the center of the uh, the center of the stands of the court, and start fighting. So we we stop. Our families is in the corner. We running, getting our families, pulling our families into the hallway. They still fighting. So we back in the locker room. So they like, yo, we can't resume the game. So they clear, they clear out all the fans, clear out all the fans. We come back, still play the game, finish the game. Like all this happened in one game, one situation. Game over. You would think there would be like some type of retaliation, some suspensions, you know, some mm -hmm. investigations. None. They kept them moving like nothing was happening. They were just like, "Yeah, hey, man, this is this is just one of those games." So <laughs> that was probably like the that, like I said, that was just like one game, bro. So yeah, that that was a lot within three hours. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. At Olympiacos, you know, I know, you know, a lot of craziness went on, but you had great success there. Back-to-back yeah. -back Euro League championships. 
tell us about that. How was that feeling? Like, you know, I know the first first feeling, the first championship had to be probably one of the best feelings ever. I mean, it was it was crazy for the fact that um, so I guess what many people, many people really don't know that weren't there at the time was that they Olympiacos was going through a rebuild. So, you know, the year before they had Josh Childress, they had, you know, Linus Klaza, they had, you know, Milos Teodosis. They, you know, they had the biggest budget in Europe. You know, they were spending all this money. So the year I got there, they were like, listen, like, we cutting back. You know, we cutting back. We signing, you know, a bunch of young players, you know, a bunch of unheralded players, and we just going to have Spinolas. Spinolas is going to be our centerpiece. We was going to sign a bunch of, you know, a bunch of young players around them. So we had no expectations going into that year. Like, they didn't even think we was going to get out of, like, December or January. Like, they was like, you know, but they didn't even think we was going to advance to the next round of EuroLeague. They was calling us a college team because we had a whole bunch of young players, 23, 24 years old. So they was like, there's no way that they're going to do anything. And, you know, we just kept, you know, kept grinding. And eventually, like I said, like, we we end up, you know, getting to the Final Four. Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, getting to the Final Four. Um, and then that game where we played Cheska, Cheska at the time was the most dominant team of that season. I think maybe they lost maybe one or two games. Um, they had like Andre Kirilenko, um, you know, Sasha Khan, Nenek Kristic. Like they were like this unstoppable force of a team. And, you know, they, they had us down 19 points. Um, and then we made like the biggest comeback, you know, in, in EuroLeague history um, with that, you know, the final push shot of this uh, Yorgos Brindisies and we ended up winning the title. So for me, it was it was like it was like I was living a movie. You know, you see the movies like the underdog movies, like the Rockies. You know, all this stuff. It's like you know, you start off and nobody thinks you're gonna make it, and then you know, you have this storybook ending where you you know you win the championship. So it was unreal. It was unreal to me. Like I wish looking back on it now, like I wish I would have enjoyed the experience a lot more. I wish I would have soaked in it a lot more because at the time I didn't realize you know how special it is. You don't realize how special it is until you lose a few of them. Like I said, at the time I was winning, so I was like, "Man, this is, you know, it's all champagne every night." So I was, I was good, but you know, um, I wish I would have got the opportunity to, you know, to enjoy a little more. And then the second year, um, the second year, honestly, we felt like we was disrespected. Like we felt like in the next year we came in, we wanted to prove everybody wrong because everybody thought that we won that we got lucky that we won the championship. So everybody was saying they were like, you know, this this team's not really built for the championship. They got lucky. You know, they can never do it again. So we had that, like, that whole chip on our shoulder um, the whole entire season. And that's why I call, you know, Billy Spinulis the one of the greatest players of all time because he has that, like, that Tom Brady, like, Michael Jordan, like, motivation. Like, he had us, like, every day thinking we was, like, some pit bull animals. Like, he was like, yo, they don't respect you. They don't respect y'all. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, they don't think this. So every day we played, like, we thought, like, we had something that we thought we had something to prove. And like I said, you know, for us, it was, you know, we got a chance to, you know, win back to back, you know, which was an incredible experience. And then this time, you know, we end up, you know, blowing Real Madrid out. So for, you know, for the majority of the game, you know, in the fourth quarter, it was like, we actually got a chance to celebrate and actually got a chance to enjoy the championship experience. So, you know, rather than like, you know, hitting the game with a buzzer beater shot, you know, we was, you know, two minutes in on the bench, you know, just, you know, celebrating already. So, I mean, I think it was, like I said, I mean, those those championships were both special, but looking back on it, I wish that I would actually enjoyed it a little bit more and, you know, like I said, soaked in the moment a little bit more looking back on it as I got older. Right. I want to ask you something totally different, okay? Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about your actual height, right? Yeah. But what we see is 
you still finishing above the rim like as if you were six eight. Yeah. So I want to ask the question. I, I've never heard an answer myself. So what is or was at your peak athleticism level, whatever that, whenever that was, whenever you and your athletic prime, what was your highest vertical? I honestly don't know. I don't, I never really done the vertical jump, to be honest with you. I don't really know. And, and I don't even know if it, if I could, and I don't, how to put this, but I don't know if it would even be measured because I'm one of those guys like see it and go get it type guys. You know how you have like, you know, like you you throw it up and it's like, you know, I'm I'm just gonna go get it. Like that's how like that's Where how was that? but if you yeah so if you put me like in like a probably like a regular jump, you know, metrics test or whatever, like my metrics would probably be, you know, decent or whatever. Maybe maybe a little above average, but you put me in a game and somebody throws a shot up there, I'm gonna try to block it. And or if you throw a, you know, at the time, you throw a lob, you know, I'm going to try to go get it. So that's just how I was at the time. And I think, and I think even though I'm short, I got a, I got a long wingspan. I got like a seven, like seven, two wingspan. So I think that's what makes up, makes up for the difference, which is kind of like abnormal. Like I'm six, four, but I got this long wingspan. So, you know, basketball is really played, you know, you're short, but basketball is really played with your, you know, your width, you know, your height and your length or your wingspan. So like I said, I even though I'm six four, but with my wingspan, I'm able to cover a lot of that. So right. that's why I'm able to, you know, finish and still be able to, you know, defend bigger, you know, bigger players to be around bigger players. So had two amazing years at Olympiacos, win chips. Yeah. Now it's on to the next chapter. Mm -hmm. Moscow, Russia, which is yeah. a totally opposite than what Athens was. Totally opposite. <laughs> totally opposite. Totally but opposite. land to another historically known European team, the Chester, and yeah. you ended up winning. Yeah. They was there for seven. You got two chips there also. Yeah. Tell us about that Chester experience. Um, I mean, initially, like you said, I mean, when I was coming from Athens, you know, winning back-to-back -back titles, you know, living on the beach, you know, you know, it's in Greece, you know, you know, enjoying life, you know you know, getting the best of the best. Everywhere we go, you know, I'm eating for free. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Then, you know, I go to Cheska and, you know, obviously the club is a club. You know, Cheska is one of the prestige, you know, one of the, you know, biggest clubs in all of Europe. Um, sure. But, you know, going to Moscow, Russia is totally foreign. It was totally yeah. foreign, you know, for, for all of us, you know, as Americans, you know, Russia has always been the natural, the natural opponent, you know, from, you know, Rocky right. and Bullwinkle to, you know, to the Rocky movies, to John Wick, to, you know, to whatever, you know, it's always been about, you know, USA and Russia. So I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So Moscow is pretty much like a cold Seattle. Yeah, probably worse, man. Probably worse. Hey, yo, Honestly, probably mouth. worse. Yo, 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 watch your mouth. <laughs> watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. I get on, yo, I, I get on, if, I get on, I get on my guy, what's the name, uh, Mike, Mike from Portland. But I say, I always, I always tell me from Seattle. He always get upset about that, Mike James. But, he is from Seattle. He is. Yeah. <laughs> I always get up all the time. But I mean, uh, I, I was just talking to somebody from Seattle. Oh, Shaq McKenzie from uh, yep. uh, from Seattle. Yep. I was just talking to him. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, listen, nah, nah. Listen, there's far more great hoopers from Seattle than anywhere oh, else. Let's just make that clear. Than anywhere else, you say. Wow. Anywhere else. Look at the look at these recent drafts. It'll, it'll shock you. 
You want to shock I mean, you. But that's a whole Seattle, conversation because yeah, Seattle, Seattle got hoopers. We ain't got to do that. There's a lot of Houstonians in the NBA right now. Seattle got hoopers. I can tell you this. Houston got hoopers, but come on, bro. I can tell you you it's, the, it's, all, it's the East Coast. Like, you can't say nothing about, like, Philly, no. Jersey, New York. Like, no. that's that area. All right, hey, look, hey, we, we ain't gonna get off. This is your old stepping. We ain't gonna get off track. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, we can we can we can right. we can get that back for a long time. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Let's get back to Moscow and Cheska. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, Moscow, Moscow is 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 totally different because um, living there, there's there's no sun from November to. I would say April. So it's, you know, it's snowy, it's it's windy, it's cold, you know, majority of all the buildings look the same. Um, so it's easily to get, you know, I guess I would say depressed. Like it's easily to get that way there because, you know, you don't see the sun, you don't see anything, any difference. Um, yet, I mean, at the time, like even the daylight is, is, is gloomy and cloudy. And then the sun, the sun rises, I think in January at like, nine let's say sun but it's daylight gloomy daylight at like 9 p.m 10 i mean 9 a.m and then the sun sets it gets dark at like 4 30 p.m so it was like for that period of time like all you've seen is darkness or clouds um so it initially coming from athens like it, it, it was almost the same like my first month or two there i was just like man this is this isn't it this isn't it at all like i'm just saying like i don't know if i can i don't know you know i don't know if i can deal with this but um, but the basketball, the basketball was great. And, you know, for me, like I'm a low maintenance guy. So I was like, as long as the hoop is great, as long as the situation is great, then I'm going to make it work. Um, and like I said, I mean, Moscow ended up becoming the place that I've ended up staying, you know, for the most time ended up being where, you know, me and my family fell in love with the place. Like it's, we look at Moscow now as like our second home almost like, you know, my kids, you know, my kids, you know, my daughter was, you know, speaking Russian at, you know, speaking Russian, going to Russian classes. You know, they they look at Russia. They look at this stuff like, you know, this is where they, you know, spend majority of their time. So it was almost it's almost similar to like we were talking about like earlier, like with the NBA and overseas. Like I went into the, the, the mindset like, you know, I didn't think that Russia was going to be what it was. And it ended up being the biggest blessing in my life of my whole entire career, to be honest with you. Oh. So yeah, get two chips in Cheska. Seven glorious years there for you. Mm -hmm. Now you're in Milan. Yeah. Considered one of the favorites to win a championship this year, also. No, you got it right. You know, good team. I know it's long. I, I mean, I know it ain't <laughs> easy. It's never easy, but you know, you guys got a great shot. How's Milan? Um, I mean, I'm loving it. Um, you know, it was it was a, a totally different foreign foreign opportunity for me. You know, being somewhere for seven years, um, and then coming to a totally different place. You know, especially at 34 years old. Um, but I mean, I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed the opportunity. I enjoyed you know, um, you know, embracing the challenge that they have here. Um, you know, they've done a great job of trying to put together a team, um, a group that's going to challenge. You know, for the Euro League. You know, adding, you know, myself, you know, Malcolm Delaney, you know, Gigi Jatome, you know, Sergio Rodriguez, like, you know, all these big name players. So we have, a you know, a great group of guys here. And, um, you know, we've been, you know, very successful at this point in the season. 
um, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, like I said, I feel like we're going to be right there um, and we're going to have, you know, a great, you know, a great chance to, you know, hopefully, you know, get that, get the opportunity to, you know, lift that title again. Kyle, I'm, um, I'm going to press you a little bit here. Yeah. And I, I was feel expecting like that, you man. I was a... expecting that. All right. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like you gave just now that answer was truthful. Um, but you gave us the answer, uh, a politically correct answer a bit. Mm -hmm. I feel like you've been on championship teams and you know exactly yeah. the kind of like texture it takes. Do you feel like you guys have those making those makings and those, that combination, that mix, that blend in order to actually get it done? Or do you feel like you're one of those other teams you've been on that were close, but not quite? Nah, we, we got the, we got the ingredients. We got the ingredients to, to get it done. Like we got everything like to, to get it done. To be honest, completely honest with you, we have it. Um, you know, we have a group of guys. I think the, the teams that I've been on that have been the most special have been a group of guys that have been the most selfless. Like we have a mm -hmm. bunch of selfless guys. Like literally, guys don't care who gets the glory, who gets the shine. And you know, those are usually the teams that usually go go the furthest. And I mean, that may be like you know politically or whatever, but that's just the, the dead honest truth. Like. Real. So that, yeah. that that's the real honest. The teams that I've been on, that's like you know, guys that like been. I've been on teams that have been way more talented than this team, but mm -hmm. they've been always the teams that, like I said, eventually something will happen. You know, a guy gets injured, a guy you know didn't get his you know didn't get his 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 buckets or whatever that night. The team, everything falls apart. This team is built differently. I mean, we have a bunch of guys that on any given night can go out and you know perform and do well. So we have the makings, we have the ingredients, but. I know how hard it is to win a EuroLeague title. Winning a EuroLeague title is probably one of the probably the hardest title, the hardest championship to win, just because you play through so many different formats throughout the whole entire year, and you're basically essentially playing, you know, for, for one game. It's one game. You play a playoff okay. format, and then you're basically playing your whole entire season for one game. I and mean, we all know anything can happen in one game. You know, anything can happen. So, yeah. um, so you know, so I think I think we have enough to get there. And then once we get there, then like I said, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. So Kyle, here goes a question for you, man. Usually Snow, yep. Snow asks this question, but I'm gonna steal it from him. All right. <laughs> All these years playing in Europe, you yep. know, when we first came over here, we didn't know that there was players over here like that, that was this good, right? Yeah. So who was the one guy, maybe it was just only for one game that, that gave you some work? That day he just had your number. Um, it's, it's a bunch of guys that get. There's a man. There's a few guys that like that. They gave me some buckets. Let me think. Um. Um. I mean, me. I mean, you had gifts on me and gifts. We go at it. We've been going at it for years. So yeah. you know, we go, but we go back and forth. I mean, me and gifts been going at it since. Since uh since pre-jack in college, so I mean, every once in a while he may get me. Every once in a while I may get him. Um, so I mean, I just I love battling against him. Um, who else? Uh, older cat, uh, Mike Batiste. Um, Mike, 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 he, yeah, Mike, Mike gave me. He 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 introduced me to, to what European basketball is all about. <laughs> yeah, he introduced me, man. He he got he woke me up real quick. Um, him, oh, um, I'm trying to think who else, um, 
I mean, then guard wise, I mean, because I, I get a lot of switches and, and, and stuff like that. Um, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. when I initially seen Luca, and I guess that's his name, Luca Doncic, and everybody, I didn't think Luca was that nice. And and then you know, Luca did some stuff, and and then some of our matches, I was like, yeah, this he got it. Like he he like he, he he's 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 that real. He he's a real one. Um, Hold on, hold on. So you he came yeah. off some ball screens. Y'all switched. You switched on him. And then is that when you found out he was real? Yeah, I mean, well, at the top, the first time I played against Luca, he was 16, right? So, you know, I'm going, oh, you know, you, you get a you get a young, you get a young player. So you try to beat him up and you try to hit him. So yeah. I'm hitting him, he hit me right back. So like this is like so you see like you know you know you in the playground or whatever and somebody hits you like you like oh man okay he, he liked that so I remember like one of the first times we played him mm -hmm. we uh came off a ball screen and I backed up off him I was like you ain't gonna shoot that young fellow you ain't gonna shoot that one dribble stop okay. shot it swap cash and I was like okay so like mm -hmm. and so like then we every once in a while like I was like okay and then like every time I played him like he just had like these moments like it wasn't every time. You know what I mean? He got me, but like I said, he would have some moments. I'd be like, yo, like, he, he's all right. He's all right. Yeah. 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 All right. I want to go ahead, Scott. One thing we like to get into, one thing we like to get into with every guest is um, you kind of, I think you kind of gave away your point guard already. So we know yeah. who that is. But who's the rest of your, your starting five of any guy that's ever played in Europe that you would pick to go on your starting five? Um, European, I mean, American, European, European, European don't matter. Don't matter. Um, I'm going with Spinulas, um, number one. Um, I mean, to me, he's the he's the greatest greatest of all time in Europe. Um, I mean, he's done so many things, and he's still doing stuff at you know at 38. Um, hey man, I'm gonna know. tell you, Mike, Mike, not gonna like that. Who? No, but I'm gonna put so I'm gonna put Mike at the two. <laughs> See, there you go. See, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm putting I'm putting I'm putting my guy Mike at the two. So I gotta I gotta go, Mike. Um, you know, Mike James. Mike is Mike is the most talented player I've ever seen, offensively talented player I've ever seen play. Like he literally has he has everything. Like he can do everything. I mean, I don't tell him this, but I don't tell him this to his face. Yeah. I mean, you know how Mike is, but but I mean, he he's the most like he's the most talented player, and it's not. And also the just to hit the way he is, like his work, like he puts in work, like his work ethic is strong. Like you know, people a lot of people don't see it, but I was with him. You know, for a year and change, and I mean, he puts in work. Um, hey, hey, I actually used to, uh, I used to train Mike myself up here in Seattle, so I can uh -huh. tell you, Mike really puts in work. He yeah. really puts yeah. in work. Yeah, 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 man. And his his yeah. story, his his story is just something else. Like where he came from, you know, how he come in, and it, I mean, and it's still writing itself right now. So. Um, I tell him all the time, I was like, bro, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta tell more about yourself, you know, tell more about your story, right? You gotta write a book, write about something, do something. Cause a lot of people, a lot of people just see him for his surface. They see like, you know, Mike, you know, Twitter, this, that type of stuff, but they don't see like really like who he is, man. He's, to me, he's the most talented, most misunderstood player in Europe playing right now. Um, three, I'm gonna go with, uh, I'm gonna go with my guy, Will Clyburn. Um, you know, Will is, Will is, when he's healthy, I mean, he's, he's, he's a, he's a Swiss army knife, man. He can, he can do it all. He could do, he could do a little bit of everything. Um, my four. Dave, Will, 
Will Clyburn be getting a lot of votes lately. He's getting a lot of votes lately. Man, Will, Will is Will. I mean, Will's tough, man. Will's tough. And I think Will to be Will's the type of player he would be tough in the league too. But he just he just, he found he he found a home in Cheska, and I think he's gonna be there for a while. But he's he's tough, man. Um, my four. My four is gonna be Mike Batiste, um, just because, man. I, I mean, I love Mike. I just love, I love yeah. how he plays. I love who he is, man. He's just a gritty, um, a gritty player. Um, my five is uh, Big Sofo, because I mean, you know, he's yeah, you man, baby, baby Shack, man. Baby you know, Shaq. What I mean, at his at his prime, he was the most. He nobody could handle Baby Shack at his in his prime. You catch him in his prime on the right day. Can't do nothing with him. Over nothing, nothing with him, man. Nothing Can't even move. Nobody, nobody. Nah, nobody, nobody. Maybe only Shaq himself. But other than that, in his prime, when he was really moving and really doing what he needed to do, there was nobody touching him, man. <laughs> so, Kyle, man, how much more time you uh, think you have, man? Thirty-four uh, years. Man, God willing, I mean, I want to try to, you know, try to ride this to the wheels fall off. Um, you know, like I was asking y'all, man, I was like, what's, what's, what's retirement life like, man? So y'all got to give me y'all perspective, man. Y'all got to give me y'all, y'all my OGs, so y'all got to give me y'all perspective. So, but I'm going <laughs> to try to play as, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to play as long as I possibly can. Um, you know, but it's not just me, it's my family as well. So, you know, I'm trying to, you know, you know, figure out, you know, what's the best situation, what's the best move for, you know, for my family. I got another year on my contract here. So, you know, I'm going to be here at least till, you know, 36. And then from there, I'm just going to take it year by year. Um, right now, I'm feeling good. Um, I'm feeling great. But the thing about it is, like, I want to be I want to be able to compete. I want to be able to still play at a high level. It would frustrate me that if I was out on the court and I was, you know, only playing five minutes or six minutes or seven minutes or, you know, ten minutes or something like that. So, you know, I want to be able to play as long as enough as I'm still able to contribute at a high level for a high-level team. Man. But yeah, y'all gotta, y'all gotta tell me, y'all gotta tell me about this retirement life, man. Y'all gotta, y'all gotta give me the the, the real, um, you know, <laughs> what it is. You said it right. You said yeah, it right. Yeah, you just, and you said, you gotta say, man, you gotta play till the wheels fall off, man. Um, yeah. God willing, because if you, if you, I know a lot of guys who retired early and yeah. regret because they're yeah. tired of Europe, man. I'm tired of the European politics, blah blah. But they still love the hoop. Yeah. If it wasn't no injuries, like if you don't have no injuries, if you could go out on your own terms, that's the best way to do it. And when you go out, you gotta have something ready. Because yeah. honest, I didn't want I didn't go out on my own terms. I was still ready to hoop. I mm-hmm. I was done at you know 36, still had, mm-hmm. you know, thought I still had a lot in me, but you know. You know how Europe is. If we, once you once you 30, 31, they start thinking you going downhill. Yeah, man, they already you already one foot out the door. <laughs> so, man, got to have yourself something ready. Fortunately, I wasn't fortunate to have anything ready at the yeah. time. So for me, the first I would say year or two was rough. Mm-hmm. You know, until I you know found out my niche or you know found some stuff you know to do to take my time, but. Prepare yourself, because mm-hmm. it's coming. It's inevitable. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. No, Father Time's undefeated, man. Let yeah. you, let you, let you guide, and you know, maybe 
maybe a few other people on this on the select few of this earth, but Father Time's undefeated, man. Yeah. So Kyle, man, what um with a lot of players coming over to Europe, young players who don't know because none of us know that I maybe they know better now because of the internet and social media or whatever. What would you tell young kids coming over here? Um number one I would tell them to do is to do their due diligence before they come over here talk to other players older players that have been over here older players that have played for the same the same team that you're signing for or played for the same coach that you're signing for so you know what you expect um it's almost like you know getting getting the answers you know or studying before you take the test um you know that's what I tell guys you have to know what you're walking into because a lot of guys from the outside looking in they think that this, you know, this overseas game is sweet. They think it's like you can walk right in. They don't really understand like how much of a grind it is. And like I said, it's not so much the physical grind sometimes, it's the mental grind. So, you know, I would try to say get, you know, get with, you know, some older guys or some guys that played before um, and, and speak to them and talk to them. Um, number two, I would say when you start, when you start this overseas game, write down or figure out what you want to get out of this. What is your end goals? What do you want to get out of this? Because that's going to help give you your roadmap to what you want to do and how you want to succeed in your career. Um, I think a lot of guys come over here and sometimes they just over here and they just over here. But if you got to think about it, it's like, listen, like I want to play over here for 10 years and I want to do X, Y, and Z, then, you know, start gearing towards that. Start trying to figure out a way to try to get towards that and start working towards that every day. Um, you know, I was looking. I was like, I, I was always worried about the long game. I was, I'm trying to be in here as long as I possibly can, and trying to do as maximize my opportunities as most as I possibly can. So I would say that. And last, I would say, embrace the culture. Yes. Come here and, and get fully immersed in the culture. Um, a lot of guys they come over here and they start complaining about, oh, this isn't like back home, or this isn't this, or we don't have this. Like you gotta come over here and you gotta literally think, forget, like, yo, I'm not, I'm not going back home. Like, that's not an option. I'm not going back home. Get immersed in the culture, learn the language, you know, start meet people outside of basketball, meet, you know, neighbors, regular people in the community, you know, talk. Don't sit here all day and just be on call of duty or in your apartment, you know, go from your gym to that. Actually get out and get immersed in the culture. And if you do that, your life here is gonna be totally better. It's going to be completely better. You're going to, you know, you're going to you know, get a chance to, to enjoy this, enjoy that, um, you know, more than you actually thought you could. So those are kind of my, my biggest, my biggest three, three, uh, three advice for, for player, young players. That culture is very, very important part, man, because that's how, that's how players last over here. Exactly. You know, exactly. 10 years or more. Exactly true. That's absolutely true. So outside of basketball, Kyle, man, what you have going? I know you have a podcast that you do. Yeah. Um, what you talk about the pod a little bit? Yeah. So I mean, I much like y'all, we talked about a little before. Um, I basically created almost like a media production um, company, and basically what we do is that we try to do content geared towards you know overseas basketball. So the whole thing is like you know, like you were talking about snow. It's like you know, you would come back home, and people would ask me all these goofy, silly questions about overseas basketball. So I was like, you know, rather than, you know, me tell them, I was like, I'm going to show them. So, you know, we started like, you know, trying to, you know, film like, you know, documentaries, short docu-series and stuff like that to try to give people opportunity to really see, you know, what this overseas basketball life is like. And then we trying to show the positive parts of it. 
you know, too many, like I said, when I first started out, all I heard was negative. I would hear about players not getting paid, this, that, and the other. So I was trying to show the positive parts. Like, you come over here, and, you know, some of these guys that come over there, we get treated like guys. Like, you know, you go mm-hmm. places, you get signed autographs, you know, you get the best of the best. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to show that 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 light of it. And then the same with my podcast. Um, The, the one podcast I have with my brothers is called Hoop Tales Podcast. We did two seasons. We did, like, 14, 15 episodes. Um, you know, with a bunch of cats, J.R. Holden, um, Malcolm Delaney, um, James Giz, Dante Draper, um, Brian Dunstan, um, a whole bunch of different guys that played overseas. Um, basically, to show guys, um, you know, tell guys their stories. You know, like I said, when we first came on, I'm sure the same with you guys. You know, if you didn't know somebody directly from your university, or from your high school, or from your direct network that went overseas, you had no idea what she was going through. No. So by these, right. by by using these stories. You know, these guys can type in, these young kids can type in on YouTube or type in whatever and be like, yo, listen, like, you know, I want to know about what's overseas basketball like. They can listen to, you know, y'all podcasts or other podcasts and, you know, try to figure it out. So that's basically what it is. And then my my other podcast I have with Elpa, um, the EuroLeague Players Association, is basically a player advocacy podcast. It's basically just trying to teach players different life skills, different things, and, and try to get to know players on a different level. So. We just talked about Josh Childress um, was about real estate investing. I talked to, with Jose Calderon about retirement and you know, preparing, preparing, prepping for retirement. I talked to um, my teammate Jeff Brooks about um, you know social justice and athletes using their platform for social justice. You know, so we're doing all these different topics. Um, you know, to try to you know try to give people and fans a different perspective of what you know what we're about, um, and also for us to also learn you know learn and educate. So. Oh man, that's dope, man. Appreciate it. So every platform you got going, man. We'll sh- everybody tap in. What's the name of your what's yeah, the appreciate podcast? It. So that so they know what to go look for. Yeah, so you could you could check out my production company. It's uh on Instagram. Um it's at GTM Family Productions. Um, or you can go to at GTM or you can go www.gtmfamilyproductions.com, see some of my stuff on our YouTube page. The the podcast I'm doing right now is called the Players Podcast, um, presented by the EuroLeague Players Association. You can check that out, and you can check me out on my page um, at SirHines42 on Instagram. You can find all the information there, too. Man, we appreciate you coming on, spending time with us. Spitting game. Yeah, man, I appreciate y'all, man. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta do something too, man. I got, I got something in the works that I, um, that I want to try to get y'all involved in too, um, later on down the line. So we gotta, we gotta definitely collab and talk about some things. Already, man. When the next time y'all come to Istanbul? I'm in Istanbul. So when the next time you uh we I don't know unless we play one of them teams in the the playoffs, um, which might happen. Um, um I don't think we come to win. Yeah, yeah. So we've been there twice, but we might we so we might play there in the playoffs. So okay, okay, yeah. Let's link whenever you come, man. Let me know. I'm here. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Sure, I appreciate y'all. All right, man. Hey, thanks for another episode. Watching another episode of the Euro Stepping Podcast. Catch us on Network's Next One's Network YouTube page and also nextones.com. It's your stepping podcast, no G. We got all the game. Thought it was a joke, what they still playing games for? Holes in my denim, never holes in my game, no. You won't be just like me, they don't love you the same.